Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to transportation. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Katie, we got something funny for these people. No, that's mm-hmm. why we have a comedian on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hari Kondavulu is in this episode. You can check him out live at Helium Comedy Club. They always have the most unfunny names. Almost as unfunny as my intro. I'd say Helium. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, they really go childish with it, too. They're like, yeah. the yuck stop. Uncle Chuckles. Yeah. Um, but he is a phenomenal comedian, and you may have seen him on Letterman or Kimmel or heard him on NPR's Fresh Air with Terry Gross, which is just a hotbed of comedy. Oh, my gosh. Often. Gross kills. Gross kills. And uh, he's just a delight. This interview was recorded live at Joe's Pub. So without further ado, here's my interview with Senor Hari Gondabalu. I wanted to, to bring out our, our next guest, um, you may have seen him on Letterman or Conan. He also wrote for Totally Biased with Kamau Bell on FX. And he's, you can also have heard him on Terry Gross and for sure. Um, without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Hari Kondabulu. <laughs> I like the handshake. You guys, that was a little bit of a tepid clap. Let's give him more of a clap. It was tepid. I felt it in my heart. It was very... You, I walked down like, I don't know who this is. And, and what is this going to be? And so that's what I felt in my heart. Shockwave, good to see Howdy. you, man. It's been How a while. Yeah. At age 17 is when you started doing comedy. But yes. you started performing way before then. We have a, a picture of you from when you were um, just... I th- think just starting your thespian Oh, right. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so if it isn't clear, I grew up in Queens, and <laughs> when you do a production of Peter Pan in the fifth grade in Queens, these are what the pirates look like, uh, Pakistani Muslim, Indian Hindu, Afghani Christian, Indian Hindu, Irish, um, and, uh, Indian Hindu Captain Hook, uh, and... And you might be wondering, well, are all the pirates just the minorities? No, Peter Pan was Filipino. So, and a woman. So, uh, this is what rest of the country fears is going to happen. They, they're worried it's going to look like this. And this is so glorious to me. This is so beautiful. It is, it is indeed. We were ahead of the mainstream media. How beautiful is that? Jamaica, Queens, right? Uh, I grew up in... I grew a flushing. Up in, in Jackson Heights. Oh, sorry. And then uh, Floral Park, Queens on the Queens side, not the Long Island side. I mean, come on. And, um, and then uh, Jamaica. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, and you got a headshot very young. We have one of your early headshots. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. <laughs> great quote. Oh, no. What, what a great quote, too. 
boy. Do you want to describe it for the podcast yeah. audience? It's, it's actually your senior. It's my high school yearbook photo. I have a butt cut and. Uh, <laughs> Parted in the middle for those who can right, see it. A goatee. It's, I'm wearing a tux, but it's not really a tux. It's one of those detachable things that they do for the photos. So everyone had the same tux and the same dress, which is a weird prom. Um, and the, the quote I said on the bottom was, I've had a wonderful time, but this wasn't it. Um, by Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. Great formatting, too. Like right. They put it on, right. on its own line. <laughs> the, the, our yearbook theme was, I graduated in 2000. It was called Millennium Mania. And it was Crazy. awful, awful, terrible. So you, you're... This is in Townsend Harris High School in Flushing, Queens. And you're so. first generation... Uh, I was the first generation born here. My parents are from southern India. Isn't but, that yeah. the definition of first generation? I always generation? get confused because I've heard okay. like first generation or second generation. Okay. Like I'm the second generation. My parents came here first, but I was the first born here. I've heard it both ways, and Wikipedia says it works both ways, so I'll go with that. It also it did not list you under the foot fetish, I will tell you that. <laughs> um, but So you, both you and your brother are performers. Your, your brother is... I don't know what my brother does exactly. <laughs> he jumps up and down as he, part of Das... Or he did as he, part of Das Racist. He was in a rap group called Das Racist uh, that was sort of popular. That, that one was about... That's, oh, that's... Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were on Conan once and they were on... Uh, what else were they? They were on uh, No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain, which is very strange. <laughs> and... They, because they named up Anthony Bourdain, so Anthony put him put him put him on a show, and uh, I mean they were covered by everyone from like the New York Times, Washington Post, Wired magazine. You wrote GQ. about them in Slate. Uh, spin. Spin. I, 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 I there was a cover story in Spin about them, and I wrote the cover story. They thought it would be easier to interview them since I was the brother of one of the members, and it was terrible. It was an awful experience, <laughs> and they were very mean to me, and it was not great. Uh, my brother didn't actually rap in the group. Uh, he, he jumped up he, and down. He was the hype man, so he basically <laughs> jumped up and down and repeated things. Um, but I think a, a big part of what they did was, the, like, for the interviews and stuff, they used to really screw around with reporters and never give them straight answers, and so my brother was a big part of, like, that aspect of it. And they're all brilliant, like, really... Uh, all three of them just brilliant, intelligent people and uh, out of their minds. And uh, it was, uh, there was a few years there where all I heard when I did interviews was, um, uh, you know, about my brother's band. So it's nice that era's over. <laughs> Since the band broke up two years ago, it's nice that that era's over and my successes. <laughs> Oh man, I'm freaked out right now. You, because I left my notebook backstage, you know, with all my jokes in it. Do you think the terrorism dude's reading it? I think he's reading them right he's, now. And because the, there's and, like stuff in there about like airport security and, and planes <laughs> and terrorism, but they're jokes. I mean, like they're hacky at the very worst, but not like a national security threat. Like, I don't. Is he back there? I, I don't know, but what I was I freaked out of my mind. <laughs> um, before you became a very successful comedian. Uh, you worked for um, Hillary Clinton. I interned. I interned for. Oh boy, look at that one. There's another. There's before I got hot. Um, that's. <laughs> I, I peaked in my late twenties, which is. Um, that is post butt cut. Though. That's post butt cut. That's that's. You got rid of the goatee. Somehow receding hairline. Um, yeah, that's me with uh, potentially the future president of the United States, um, Hillary Clinton. 
I interned for her in 2003. Um, I thought I was going to get to actually meet her regularly and like, like work with uh, high, like bigger staff members and stuff. I was in the mail room the whole time. Um, but you got to shake her hand. I got to shake her hand once, and they let me pick up the pictures because there was like 50 interns because she was like a celebrity like senator and so I got the honor of picking up the uh, all the photos for all all the interns she had the same smile every photo every single photo it's like they just pushed us in and she just never took the smile she off. also yeah. says your name ba- like when I met her I got a very tepid handshake like bit, like lukewarm yeah yeah but she says your name back to you so then you're like it's it's, so it's there's magnetic a connection. yeah which yeah. like Katie hi Katie and I was like oh my god she knows well, me well my hands are like <laughs> My hands are really small, and so she's, like, squeezing the hell out of them there. It is very painful. I had a different experience. Well, it was very painful. My experience yeah. with Bill was very different, so. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Those jokes still play. Those jokes still play. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, Two years after the band broke up. <laughs> right. Um, so your family was very involved in politics. Um, your grandfather was, you know, active My, in the Communist Party, and you were very yeah. active in, in politics. So yeah, I should clarify that because being active in the Communist Party sounds very different without context. Okay. Uh, my grandfather on my father's side was active in the Communist Party in India, where those things mean different things. Okay. I don't know. You probably know nothing about India. Whatever. But it, it's... Don't underestimate your audience. I don't, like... <laughs> look, that security guy's still here. And I just don't want... Just please be careful with when we throw the C word around. Communist. Um, so... So my uh, grandfather, my father, said was a communist politician who was jailed um, regularly uh, for Indian independence in the 30s, 40s. Uh, my great-grandmother on my mother's side... Uh, gave up all her jewelry for Gandhi, um, like uh, only wore homespun clothes, which was part of the Indian independence movement. She made her own cotton clothes, and uh, she went to jail as well. Um, and so, like, yeah, they're, they're from this kind of... I have that heritage, which I didn't learn until later in life, because my parents, you know, they're, like, first-generation or non-generation immigrants. We don't know. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, they were just, like, stay out of trouble, do whatever your teachers tell you. Don't question authority. It was so hard to get here. So it was very, it's very weird because, I mean, I think they taught me a lot of the values that I have. I'm, uh, my comedy is generally, uh, it's about race and gender and sexuality. And I'm, I, I'm usually generally very divisive, except on NPR where I come off very charming. And, um, <laughs> and then the NPR crowd comes to the shows and they find me very upsetting because... He was so charming with Terry Gross, and he's yelling at us and making us as white people uncomfortable, even as liberals. So um, that's a great, which is my favorite thing to do, to be perfectly honest. That's a great segue to my question about your um, experience at LSE. Um, how did writing about whether the framework of internally displaced people could be applied to Mexican immigrants inspire you to do stand-up? You're making it so hard for me to be funny, Katie. You're making it so... <laughs> is it me? Is, so, it me? is it me? Or is it, you know, looking within the mirror? Okay. <laughs> it's me. It's me. I struggle with stand-up, and I don't know how I've gotten this far, to be perfectly honest. Um, so... I, I uh, got a master's in human rights from the London School of Economics. Uh, my background was, thank you very... I'm wasting the degree. Um, and a lot of money. There are several um, LSE grads, actually, in the oh, audience. Oh, here, right. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's a lovely school. SOAS is a better school. That's where the parties are at. But LSE had bankers and shit, and that was not really my 
thing. I know two um, LSE grads who are now doing very socially conscious stuff. Okay, so we're it. <laughs> um, three, three. But like when I uh, Mick Jagger went there. Um, which, Is that true? Yeah, he's, I don't know if he finished, but he, he went there. Is that a train or an earthquake? It's a train, that right? Is, that yeah. is the subway downstairs. Oh, okay, right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, but you were doing this while you were also doing comedy. Kind of. I mean, I was an immigrant rights organizer in Seattle. I moved, I grew up in Queens. I moved to Seattle's my favorite city in the world. And, um, and, uh, I moved to um, Seattle to do this work, and I did comedy on the side at night at a really rich scene, great alt scene, good club, and uh, I was just doing it, and I got to be in the Bumbershoot uh, Music and Comedy Festival, which is an incredible festival in Seattle, and that's the earthquake again, and uh, um, I'm supposed to not mention it, right, because the audience at home doesn't know that the building's shaking right now. Okay, right. <laughs> they think we're in this really I, fancy theater, the public theater right. in New York, and meanwhile, like... We're all like, is this gonna fall right. apart? I was doing, this is doing comedy at night, and uh, I got invited to perform at this festival. And the one of the talent people at the HBO Comedy Festival, uh, which is a bit, at the time was a big talent festival, where they'd Huge. find new talent like before the internet became everything. Um, and uh, this fellow named J.P. Buck, who uh, who was booking the festival, saw clips of me online after seeing my name on the Bumbershoot website, and contacted me like. We'd like you to submit for the HBO Comedy Festival. I'm doing like activism in Seattle, so this was totally not my plan. So I started submitting tapes, and then I got an audition in San Francisco. Never been to San Francisco. Never auditioned for a thing before. Went to LA uh, for a callback. Uh, did seven minutes. Had three applause breaks. I'd never had a set like that before. That were, where that was that strong in seven minutes. I got the HBO Comedy Festival. Four days after that. Um, Jimmy Kimmel Live asked me to be on TV, which was weird because I was still working as Immigrant Rights Act. This was 2007. And uh, and a few days after that, I got into LSE for the Human Rights Master's Program. So every day I'd walk into my apartment, my roommates would be like, what's going on with you? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you right now? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, And it was weird. you know. I was on Kimmel, and it was very scary because I'd never been on TV. I'd never planned to be on TV. Like a week ago, I was just doing my job, like working with victims of hate crimes and working with uh, deten- in detention centers and with family members who's, uh, you know, uh, family members of people being deported and now I'm on TV. Like it was very, it was very bizarre. I flew in, took a day off from work, did the gig, flew back uh, and went to work as if nothing happened. But everybody knew something weird just happened because you were on TV last night. Um, and then after all that, I got a manager and then decided after all that that I was going to finish my education and get a master's in human rights because I wasn't sure if this comedy thing was really going to hold. Um, it's not the most reliable thing. And uh, I'm extremely practical. And I got it, which I don't know if I'm practical. It's a master's in human rights, which is as lucrative yeah. as comedy, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, so I go get the thing and uh, Comedy Central wants me to perform on a show called Live at Gotham uh, when I was at... Um, LSC, and so I skipped my unit on South African Truth and Reconciliation, which, lots of regret, lots of regret. Still very painful, I missed the unit. And uh, went back, had to learn, relearn my jokes, I hadn't been doing stand-up in a while, did live at Gotham, and uh, after all that, finished my dissertation, my finals, after wasting all that time and money, I decided, let's go into comedy. <laughs> that was the time to do well, it. Well, and it's paid so. off. It's been, it's been all right. Been all right. You're still living in Queens, but not with your parents. No, I'm living in Brooklyn. Oh, uh, living in Brooklyn. Oh, there you, you go, Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn Woo in New York. Um, 
Yeah, I live, uh, I live in Brooklyn. My folks live in, in Queens. Yeah, sometimes I make the trip home. Yeah, but it's oh, maybe that's what we were talking and you were hour visiting. and a half on the F train. It is. You know, you guys are the last stop, oh, no. in Jamaica. Uh, no, I, I could be in another state <laughs> by then, but yeah. yeah. Um, well, and now you're going back to Seattle to um, work on your set. Yeah, I like to go back to Seattle often. I, I, there's a 50-seat theater um, in Seattle called the Eclectic Theater, and I like to rent it out, um, do like four shows. The shows usually sell out, and I just work on an hour of new material. So the first uh, like hour, the first show, is usually awful. It's just me... Tr- fumbling through things, and the audience loves it because they don't know what's going to happen because they know I don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of the people that go to the first show, like maybe like three months ago, when I come back in three months, they come to the fourth show because they know the first one's going to suck. Um, but it's a way to work out material, and I, I just feel like New York is so hard. And even growing up here, I would do comedy um, on breaks from school, and it would be the worst experiences of having to pay for stage time or bring, bring 20 of your friends, and you'll yeah. get five minutes of stage time, and then you run out of friends. And uh, it, it's, it was so rough. You have to fly her for an hour so you can perform in front of two people. And, and so then I started doing folk open mics, which are another terrible Did you thing. you use the word faux? Folk. Oh, folk. 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 Fake open mics in my basement with yeah. my parents. Uh, and they were not supportive of it at all. Like, we are late for dinner. Um, but and I'd go to these folk open mics, which were this mix of like poetry. And uh, there's always like a middle-aged white dude who rushed from home because he put the kids to sleep to play Born to Run and then would rush back home. And it was in Park Slope, so that was definitely the story. There's always a middle-aged white dude playing Born to Run. As one yeah. of the middle-aged white people who might live in Park Slope, I would never play Born to Run. <laughs> You're not middle-aged. No. No, don't say that, because that means I'm almost middle-aged. I'm middle-aged. No, no, no. We're, we're peaking now. This is I didn't peaking. say anything about peaking. Yeah. I feel like it gets, better every, it gets better every year. That's very sweet to say to you and me. Um, I feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean yeah I mean I need to I, hold on to that delusion I learned that Seattle and like smaller cities with supportive small crowds are like let me be who I wanted to be and when I got yeah. back to New York to get my butt kicked I at least knew no it's not me like I'll figure it out my audience is here Park so. Slope can be pretty rough yeah oh, Park Slope they're vicious yeah. there they're vicious um, on that note I'm gonna give you a Park Slope co-op oh. bag oh that's so sweet um, of you and I got you this uh, notebook that says The Great Gatsby. You can write whatever fart jokes you want, <laughs> and it'll look like you're, you're somewhat That's intellectual. Awesome. That's and um, awesome. some folders to put all your jokes you're in. Very sweet. And some chocolates. Um, Harry, this was so fun, and I'm going to encourage people to check out your website and Thank go you see so you perform. Thank you so much, baby. This was great. I'm so Thank happy. Great work. You really enjoyed the show? Absolutely. <laughs> I like all of your voices. I, it makes me feel like I want to do voices. Um, thank you to Jelly D. Thank you to Ian Mazoff. Thanks to all of you for listening. Please continue to check out the show, and you can check me out at, at Katie Lazarus. And what about you, Jelly D? You can check me out at, at Jelly D on the Twits. And also at meetaninmate.com. You can also find him there. Thank you all for listening and can't wait to talk to you at the next episode. We have so many more coming up, so please stay tuned. Ah!